Good morning, Rabbi Today's daf is daf Mem Dalid 44, and we are picking up in Meretz Hashem on Mem Gimel Amud Beis 43b at the Aceve, which is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 lines up from the bottom. So remember, again, we find ourselves in the midst of a riveting discussion regarding the mitzvah of Arava. We know there's a concept of taking the Arava. We had a machlokas. Is the mitzvah to go ahead and take the Arava and walk around the Mizbeach? Or is the mitzvah simply to go ahead bezikifah, to stand the Arava up against the Mizbeach? This was a machlokis. So the Gemara goes out to the Gemara, says, Eisvei, Lulav docha sashabis betrilah. So Arava besofo, Lulav is docha shabbos, right? Lulav, meaning one takes Lulav on Shabbos, as we've established, when the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbos. Arava is taken on Shabbos when the last day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbos. Pam Achos, one time it happened. Shechal Shri'i Shal Arava Lios B'Shabbos, an incredible story. One time the seventh day of Pesach fell out on Shabbos, which just, by the way, is a raya to the fact that the calendar is set up in such a way that the last day of Pesach could fall out on a Shabbos. Right, the truth is, this is even before the codification of the calendar. But in any event, the seventh day of Pesach fell out on Shabbos. So knowing that they were going to have to conduct the Arava service in the Beis HaMikdash on day number seven, they brought bundles of Aravas to the Mikdash already on Friday afternoon, Erev Shabbos. They left them in the courtyard. The Baitusim saw the bundles of the Aravas. Now, as Rashi points out, the Baitusim don't believe in Tarsha Bapa. They don't believe in the verbal tradition. As such, they don't believe in the mitzvah of Arava. Because although we will see a dispute what exactly is the nature of the mitzvah of Arava, up until now, the Gemara is assuming that is a halacha lemoshe misinai. So, halacha lemoshe misinai is a doraisa, but of course, it's not written in the Torah. It was transmitted from Akadish Baruch Hu to Moshe and from Moshe to us. The Baitusim did not believe in this practice. Therefore, what did they do? They took the Arabas and they hid them under stones. Okay, interesting, they didn't destroy them. They hid them under stones. So this is incredible. The next day, people saw that the Baitusim had, they saw that the Arabas were taken and they understood that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, that the Tzedukim did this. Now Rashi points out, why did the Baitusim place the Arabas under rocks? They placed them under rocks. Why? Rashi points out because they knew that ultimately, again, rocks are muktza, and that the Rabbanim would not go ahead and move the rocks in order to retrieve the Arabas. So something amazing happens. Shabbos comes, people show up in the base of Mikdash. Who are the first people to show up? The Gemara says, the Ameha Aretz. The, you know, simple people. But Amaretz, of course, also means often a person who is just unknowledgeable about halacha. The Amaretz realized that the Aravas had been taken, and they must have surmised that the Baitusim took it. And they saw the rocks under which the Aravas were hidden. The Shamtum Mitachas Havanim, the Amaretz, not realizing the halachos of Muktza, moved the rocks, retrieved the Aravas, brought the Aravas back, and ultimately, again, they brought them back into the base of Mikdash. Rashi says over here, The Aretz did not know about Mokta. They're Amar Hatsim. They didn't know. They didn't know about the halachas of Mokta, so they moved the rocks, retrieved the Aravas, and what happened? The Gemara goes on, The Kohanim brought the Aravas, and they stood them up by the corner, or by the, I should say, by the sides of the Mizbeach. 
Rashi says over here, So ultimately, again, remember, only Kohanim could come to bring the Arabas to the Mizbeach because in the area, as we're going to discuss, between the Ulam, between the antechamber and the Mizbeach, only Kohanim could enter. So the Kohanim took the Arabas, went ahead and put them by the Mizbeach. Now Rashi points out over here, now, right, what the Gemara is pointing out over here is as follows. The Gemara is saying over here, the Gemara is saying over here that the Lashon over here is, is, um, I'm sorry, let me finish the story. So, right, so the Ami Aras retrieved the Aravas, give it to the Kohanim, the Kohanim go ahead and put it by the Mizbeach. Now the Gemara said, why did the Baitusim do this? Why did the Baitusim steal the Arabas? The Fishain Baitusim Modim Shechibot Araba Dokhas Because the Baitusim do not agree to the fact that the that the process of Arava is Dokha Shabbos. They, they, they don't believe it's Dokha Shabbos. Now what the Gemara picks up on over here is as follows. The way the Gemara phrases the mitzvah of Arava is Chibut Arava. Chibut, Rashi understands, is a synonym to Nanua, to the waving. So you see over here that when referring to the mitzvah of Arava, the lashon of Chibut, of waving, is used, which makes it clear that the mitzvah of Arava is first waving and then standing it up by the Mizbeach. Alma, you see from here that the mitzvah of Arava is that they literally took the Arava in their hands. They didn't just take it and stand it up by the Mizbeach, but they actively took the Aravas in their hands and circled the Mizbeach that way. To which the Gemara says, Indeed, this is a refutation to the position that held that the Aravas are only leaned against the Mizbeach, but in fact, we see that true practice was they took the Arava, they circled the Mizbeach with the Arava every day once. We're going to discuss on the seventh day, they did it seven times. And after circling the Mizbeach with the Arava, they stood the Arava up against the sides of the Mizbeach. Incredible. Velenitru. I said the Gemara says, well, if that's the case, then now we see that Arava is a mitzvah and it's Ninua. So why don't we go ahead and say that Halacha Lamaisa? Even after the Beis Hamikdash, Rashi says, "Vela litri kevin de menetila haba yeshol lasos zechel Hamikdash velitri shviish dilei Shabbos." So why don't we go ahead and we say, now that we understand that Arav is taken, there's an, there, right, it's taken just like Lulav is taken. Why don't we say that just like the first day of Lulav is Docha Shabbos, even outside of the Beis HaMikdosh, so so to the seventh day of Arav should be Docha, even outside the Beis HaMikdosh, what we call Zechel HaMikdosh, to which the Gemara says, Velo Nitru, Kevan Da'anon Lo Dachinon, Inhu Nami Lo Dachu, to which the Gemara says something very interesting that since, the Gemara is now referring to after the destruction of Esamekdash, since we, the Jews of Bavel, would not be Docha Shabbos for Arava, even on seventh day, when seventh day balls on Shabbos, why? Because remember in Bavel, there was the Sveika Dioma, the calendrical doubt that would prevent them from being Docha Shabbos. Since in Bavel they don't do it, so to an Eretz Yisrael, we don't do it. Rashi says, Since in Babel, we're not sure about the calendar, therefore we will not be Docha Shabbos, even for the seventh day of Sukkot, for the Mitzvah of Arava. So to an Eretz Yisrael, they don't do it as well. I the Gemara, so one second. But what about the fact that when the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbos, we established in yesterday's daf 
that halacha lamaisa, even after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, the mitzvah of lulav would be docha the first day, but it's only docha the first day, of course, in Eretz Yisrael, because the calendar is set, but outside of Eretz Yisrael, it's not. Top of Memdalit Amri, lididohu nami lodachi. So this is actually incredible, to which the Gemara says, I actually, I jumped the gun a little bit by doing the Rambam yesterday, but here the Gemara says it explicitly. The Gemara says, no, 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 after the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, we create uniform practice. And just like in Babel, they would not take Lulav on the first day that falls on Shabbos because of calendrical doubt. So to an Eretz Yisrael, even though there is no calendrical ambiguity, we also will not take the Lulav on the first day of Sukkot that falls on Shabbos. And again, Rashi says, why? In order to create national uniformity, national cohesion. Achdos, Rashi says, Shalolaso, first Rashi Amemdalamadalif, Shalolaso Sisral Agudos Agudos. Should have made Kabisral into groups. Venira Kishte Toros, Tilididon Lodachi Lulav Shabbos. That remember again, you're going to have a situation where the Jews of Eretz Yisrael are taking Lulav on the first day that falls on Shabbos. The Jews of Bavel won't be taking Lulav on the first day that falls on Shabbos. That's not good. We spoke about this yesterday. This goes to the same idea. The power of the Beis Hamikdash was the Kach Hamachid. It was the glue. And it, so when there is the Beis Hamikdash, we could tolerate differentiated practices. In the absence of the Beis Hamikdash, the only thing that united us was mitzvahs. That, that, that was it, was Torah. So therefore to create essentially two different Torahs, the Jews of Galos do this, the Jews of Eretz Yisrael do this, that Chazal did not want. Therefore it turns out the Gemara says that Halacha Lamaisi, even Lulav, even Lulav, we saw this in the Rambam yesterday, I'll send it out on the WhatsApp, so you can see the Rambam inside, but even Lulav, which originally, which originally should have been that even in the aftermath destruction of Esau Mikdash, we do it on the first day on Shabbos in Eretz Yisrael, but not outside of Eretz Yisrael. That changed as well in order to create uniformity of practice. So what's coming out so far is as follows, that Halacha is essentially in the aftermath of the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash, Chazal made a conscious decision to create uniformity of halachic practice. And now we see it in two distinct areas. We see it by Lulav, that even though, again, one we, we made the argument in yesterday's Gemara, that when the first day of Sukkot falls out on Shabbos, the Jews of Eretz Yisrael, who have no calendrical ambiguity, should take Lulav the first day. The Jews of Golis, who have calendrical ambiguity, should not. Uniformity of practice says, no one takes Lulav on the first day of Yom Tiv, which falls on Shabbos. Now, a second example of that, technically speaking, Arava on the seventh day should be Docha Shabbos for the Jews of Eretz Yisrael who have no calendrical doubt, but not for the Jews of Babel. Kamashmon, uniformity of practice, the mitzvah of Arava was not Docha Shabbos for anyone. I, mean, when, I should say it differently. When the seventh day of Sukkot fell out on Shabbos, the mitzvah of Arava was not Docha Shabbos, both in Eretz Yisrael as well as in the Golos, in order to create uniformity of practice, because it was that uniformity of mitzvahs, that uniformity of Avodas Hashem, which created the sense of achdus in the absence of the Beis HaMikdash. To which the Gemara here's the problem. We have two different Mishnayis. Right, one Mishnah said, So one Mishnah said, everybody would bring, right, when first day of Yom Tif fell out on Shabbos, everybody would bring their lulav to the Beis HaMikdash on Erev Shabbos. 
And another Mishnah that says that when the first day of Yom Tov would fall out on Shabbos, everybody would bring their lulav to shul on Erev Shabbos. Umitartzinon, the way we explain why is one talking about the Beis Hamikdash, why is one talking about a shul? Umitartzinon, kan bizman she Beis Hamikdash kayum, kan bizman she'in Beis Hamikdash kayum. And the way we explained it beforehand was to say the Mishnah that refers to the Beis Hamikdash is referring ultimately to the Beis Hamikdash. When the Beis Hamikdash stood, the Mishnah that was referring to bringing your lulav. To shul on Arab Shabbos was talking about once the base Hamikdash was destroyed. So the Mishnah seems to make it clear that even in the aftermath of the destruction of the base Hamikdash, they still took lulav on the first day. Baharaya, they went ahead and they brought their lulav to shul Arab Shabbos. At least in Eretz Yisrael, sounds like that that's what they were doing. To which the Gemara says no. Can so the Gemara says lo edv edv bizman she base Hamikdash kayim. Both Mishnayos are referring to when the base Hamikdash stood. I, the Gemara says, so what's the reference to the shul? Velokashya, kan b'mikdash, kan b'gvulah. This is very interesting. When the Beis HaMikdash stood, everyone took lulav on the first day when it was on Shabbos, even on Shabbos, even on Shabbos, I'm sorry. Everyone took lulav on the first day of Yom Tov, which fell on Shabbos, both in the, both in the Beis HaMikdash as well as in the Gvulin, in the outlying area. So the Mishnah that says everybody would bring their Lulav to the Beis HaMikdash, that refers to Jews who going to the Beis HaMikdash, the one that said to the Beis HaKnesses was referring to the Jews, ultimately, again, who were going to Shul, who were not going to the, who were, who were not going to the Beis HaMikdash. But both are referring to when the Temple stood, when the Beis HaMikdash was Kayim. But after the Churban, Chazal created uniformity of practice. No one takes Lulav on the first day of Yom Tov, which falls on Shabbos. Sabai asks Rava, I don't understand. Why is it that Lulav, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai was metakin, he instituted that we take the Lulav all seven days, Zechel Mikdash. Okay, so we know we do that contemporarily. So why was there a Zechel Mikdash instituted for seven days for Lulav? But yet, no Zechel Mikdash instituted for seven days for Arava. Rava was also taken all seven days. So, why wasn't there a Zechel Mikdash enactment for Arava? Very interesting. So, Rava first responds, Well, that's because a person is actually Yotze, the mitzvah of Arava, with the Arava that's in the Lulav. To which the Gemara Tzuchabaye said, Really? That's not true. When you pick up your lulav and the aravas are in there, you're not picking up the aravas having in mind that this is the mitzvah of arava. You're picking up the lulav having in mind that this is the mitzvah of dalad minim. And arava is one of the parts of the dalad minim to which the Gemara says, I maybe you'll say, well, maybe what a person does is you pick up the lulav once, you have in mind l'shem dalad minim. You put it down, you pick it up again, and this time you have in mind that it's l'shem mitzvah sarava. To which the Gibar says, it, Nobody does that. That, that that's, that's not what's done. That's not what's done. I'll tell you why. Lulav da'oraisa, avdinan shiva zechel amikdash, arava dirabanan lo avdinan le shiva zechel amikdash, to which Rav Zavid responds very interestingly, in the name of Rava, here's the distinction. 
Lulav is a Daoraisa. Now remember, Lulav is only Daoraisa seven days in the Beis HaMikdash. Outside of the Beis HaMikdash, it's only a Daoraisa on day one. So the Gemara says Lulav, which is a Daoraisa for seven days in the Beis HaMikdash. We make a Zechel in Mikdash that you should take it seven days outside of the Mikdash. The Gemara says Arava, the Mitzvah to take the Arava every day, is only a Mitzvah Dirabanon. Because of the Mitzvah Dirabanon, we did not make it into a seven day Zechel le Mikdash Mitzvah. To which the Gemara really, Arava's Dirabanon? Leman, who's, in accordance with whose opinion is that, that Arava's only Dirabanon? If you want to say it's Abishol, Abishol holds that the Mitzvah of Arava is the Doraisa. And where does he learn it out from? It says Arvein Achal, plural, plural, to Aravas. One is to teach you the Mitzvah of Arava as it applies to the Lulav, and one is to teach you the Mitzvah of Arava as it applies to a separate, distinct Mitzvah to take Aravas. Either Rabbanon, so according to Abishol, it's a Doraisa. According to the Rabbanon, it's a Halacha Lamosha Misinai. The Amar Rabbi Gemara says, either Rabbanon, Hilchasa Gemila. So Rabbi Asher, Rabbi Yochum, Bishom, Minuchonya, Ish, 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 Big Ass, Base, Harson, Esther, Natius, Arava, Veniso, Hamayim, Halacha Lamosha. Misinai, but we saw this Gemara not so long ago, that Rabbi Asher named Rabbi Yochum, named Rabbi Nuchonya, Ish bigas base charson that the esnetios the halacha is if you have ten saplings that occupy an area of two base saah you are permitted to take care of them even in elul leading up to shvius even though normally we go ahead and we stop all agricultural work already in the month of elul leading up to the year of shemitah those trees will die therefore you are permitted to go ahead and take care of them up until rosh hashanah. Arava, which is the mitzvah of circling the Mizveach with the Arava. Nisa Chamaim is the water libation, which we'll talk about as well. The pouring of the water on the Mizveach for Sukkis, Halacha Lemoshim Sinai. So clearly the Rabbanon hold that, that, that Arava is a Halacha Lemoshim Sinai. So when you say that Arava is a Rabbanon, whose opinion? The first opinion says Arava is learned that from a Pasuk. Second opinion says Arava is Halacha Lemoshim Sinai. Both are agreeing that Arava is a Da'oraisa. So when you say that Arava is a Rabbanon, Who's, who, who, who are you quoting? To which the Gemara says, Ela Amrav Zavid Mishmei Dirava, Lulav de Isla Ikram in HaTorah, Begvulan Abdin Alei Shiva, Zechel Mikdash. Arava de Lesle Ikram in HaTorah, Begvulan Lo Abdin Shiva, Zechel Mikdash. To which Rav Zavid says in the name of Rav as follows, Lulav has a clear and definable, or a clear and identifiable biblical source. It's clear. So we know at the end of the day, there is a mitzvah of Lulav Midaraisa. So again, the Daraisa was seven days in the Beis HaMikdash, only one day outside of the Beis HaMikdash. So when you have a mitzvah that has a clear biblical root, that's when we'll go ahead and we'll make a Zecher Mikdash mitzvah. Take it now seven days outside of the Beis HaMikdash as well. Good. But however, Arava, as much as we'll agree that it's Doraisa, maybe it's learned out from the Pasuk of Arve Nacha, the plural mention of Aravos, or maybe it's Yalach al-Moshim Sinai. But the point is, there is no explicit Pasuk that talks about it. Because there's no explicit Pasuk that talks about it, Chazal did not feel an imperative to institute a seven-day Zechel Mikdash practice to commemorate the Arava that was done in the Beis HaMikdash. Amr Lakish, Kohanim, so that's very interesting. Ishlakish said that Kohanim who are Baalimumin, which means blemished Kohanim, 
are, are go ahead and enter in between the ulam and the mizbeach in order to fulfill the mitzvah of arava. Now, this is very interesting because under normal circumstances, remember, a kohanim, who, a, a blemished kohen, is not permitted to do the avodah. Not only is he not permitted to do the avodah, but he's also not really permitted to enter in between the mizbeach, the altar, this was the outer altar, the large altar, the copper altar, mizbeach and the choshes, which was used for animal sacrifice, and the ulam, and the antechamber. Remember again, the antechamber was the hallway that led into the kodesh, that led into the base hamikdash structure. So the, 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 Mizbeach Hanachoshes, the copper altar for animal sacrifice, was situated pretty much right opposite the entrance of the ulam. So under normal circumstances, Kohanim who are Bale Mumin would not enter into that area. But interestingly enough, Reish Lakish says, Reish Lakish says that Halacha Lamaisa, even Kohanim Bale Mumin used to enter in the area between the Mizbeach and the ulam to circle the Mizbeach for the mitzvah of Arava. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, Kohanim Bale Mumin, They would also push their way in, right? And they would circle the Mizbeach on, on, on foot with the Arava in their hand. So remember again, the only way to circle the Mizbeach is to go in the area between the Mizbeach and the Ulam. So the Gemara says, Amr Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan said, Mi Amra, who said this? Who, who, who issued this ruling? So there's two interesting things that's happening over here. Number one is you see once again that the Mitzvah Arava is that you took it by hand and you circled the Mizbeach while holding the Arava. That's one. And number two, that even Kohanim who are Ba'ali movement, even blemished Kohanim, who are normally precluded from entering into this area, would in fact go ahead and circle the Mizbeach with the Arava in hand, thereby entering that area. So Rabbi Yochanan said, who said this? Who, who issued this ruling? So, so the Gemara says, Mi Amra. Mi Amra. Ha'i Amar. Says Rabbi Yochanan, who said it? You said it. You said it, right? You said it. So the Gemara says, so the Ayu Amar, Tom Rabbi Asi, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Mishram Nechunya Ish Bekas Beis Kharson, Esser Netias, Arava, Finiso Chamaim Halachala Moshe Misinai. So Rabbi Yochanan, you're the one who said that Arava is a mitzvah. And it is a, again, it is a Halachala Moshe Misinai. Rabbi Yochanan says, no, 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 that's not what I meant. What I meant was, Ella, Mi Amra Benetila. Rabbi Yochanan said, who said that the mitzvah of Arava was that you took the Arava in hand, right? Dilma b'zikifa. Maybe the halacha is you take the Arava and you just stand it up against the mizbeach. So that Rabbi Yochanan was saying, that's what I'm saying. Who's, who, who, who said explicitly that the mitzvah of Arava is benetila, taking it? Maybe it's just b'zikifa. You lean it against the side of the mizbeach. Furthermore, mi amra b'bali mumin, dilma b'tmimim. Who said that kohanim, blemished kohanim, were able to do this practice? Maybe it was only, maybe it was only unblemished Kohanim. Sir Yochanan wasn't questioning the notion that the mitzvah of Arava is a halacha l'moshe misina. He explicitly said that. He was questioning two other parts of the statement, namely, who says that the Arava is taken binatila, and who says that it was Kohanim who are ba'ali mumin are permitted to take part in this practice as well. Incredible. So the goes is still trying to hone in on the nature of the mitzvah of Arava. Seitmar, Rabbi Yochan, Rabbi Shomel Levi, Chad Amar Arava Yisod Nevi'im, Vechad Amar Arava Minag Nevi'im. One of them said that the Arava is a Yisod Nevi'im, and one said it is a Minhag Nevi'im. So Yisod, 
Yisod means we'll call it a concept of the Nevi'im versus a minog is a custom of the Nevi'im. So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says Yisod Nevi'imu Takonis Nevi'im Achoronim Chagai Zechariah Malachi Shomim Takoni Takonos Yisrael Ba'anshek Neses Hagidola. So Yisod essentially means a takana, an enactment, an enactment, right? The Nevi'im enacted this takana to take the Arava, and Rashi identifies which Nevi'im Chagai Zechariah Malachi. Members of the Anshe Knesset, the men of the Great Assembly, they instituted this practice to take the Arava. The second opinion says, Minhag Neviyim. It's not a Takon, it's not an enactment, it's not a Yisod, it's a Minhag. It's a Minhag. Rashi says, Hinhigo Esaham, Velo Tikno Lahem. It was a practice that they instituted, but it was not a Takon. It was not an enactment. Now, what's the Nafkamina if something is a Yisod, a Takon? Or an enactment, or a minag, or a custom, Rashi says, "Do you say a bracha? Do you say a bracha? If something is, if something is a yisod or a takana, an enactment, then you could say a bracha. Asher al mitzvas Right? You can say that formulation that you have commanded us because it is an enactment of the neviim. If it's just the minog, then although the practice is important, you would not say a bracha because there is no vitzivano, right? There is no commandment to go ahead and do this. So the Gemara says, this time the Rabbi Yochanan who damer yisod neviim, it must be Rabbi Yochanan who said that it was a takana, that it was a yisod enactment. Damer Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, arava yisod neviim him. Okay, so I'll say it's pretty explicit. Rabbi Yochanan said, arava is a, is an enactment, a takana, a yisod of the neviim. Really, Rabbi Yochanan said that Arava is an enactment of the Nevi'im? But one second, we just said a second ago, we'll say it again now. We just said before that Rabbi Yochanan holds that Arava is a halacha l'moshem Sinai, not a minog. Not a minog, right? Or, or I should say, forget my minog. Not, not an enactment, not a takana, not a yisod. It's a biblical obligation. Say, halacha l'moshe misinai. So what's going on over here? To which the Yomar says, ishtomim keshachad. He was silent for a moment. He was silent for a moment. Va'amar, he's in Rabbi Avo responded, and he said, I'll tell you what happened. I'll tell you what happened. Va'amar, shachachum v'chazru v'yistom. It's true. Originally, arava was a halacha l'moshe misinai, but at some point in time, it was forgotten. Now Rashi points out, how was it forgotten? This is incredible. Rashi says, Shachachum begadus babel, Shachachu es hatora, v'miktas v'zu nishkechalagamre. Apparently when the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed and we were exiled to Babel, again, we've spoken about this before, the trauma of the destruction, the trauma of the exile was so intense that there were things that were forgotten. There are things that were forgotten. And amongst the things that were forgotten, ultimately was the mitzvah of Arava. It was forgotten as well. To which the Gemara says, so what happened? Originally, the mitzvah of Sinai, it was forgotten. So what does Rabbi Yochanan mean when he says that the Chachamim reenacted it? They made it, it was a Yisod Chachamim or a Yisod Nevi'im. They reinstituted it. They reinstituted it. They didn't create something new. They reinstituted something that was already on the books, was forgotten, and then they brought it back. Incredible. So the Gemara says, Did Rabbi Yochanan really say this? Now remember, what this, what this approach presupposes is that as a result of the Chorban, as a result of the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, the trauma of the Chorban caused Babylonian Jewry 
to forget things. So did Rabbi Yochanan really say this? After all, the Gemara says, V'hamer Rabbi Yochanan, V'hamer Rabbi Yochanan, V'hamer Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said as follows, Dilchon Amri, Dilhonhi. This is very interesting. Rabbi Yochanan said to the Jews of Eretz Yisrael, he said, originally, I felt that Torah was yours. Which means that Rabbi Yochanan felt, because you, the Jews of Eretz Yisrael, remained here, you didn't go out to the diaspora, I always felt that you had, the Torah really belonged to you. You really had a clear understanding of Torah. But ultimately, again, I've seen, right, I've seen, however, Dilhonhi. The Torah actually belongs to the Jews of Bavel. If you look at Rashi, Rashi Divrei Hamaschil, Va'amar Rabbi Yochanan Dilchon Amri Dilhonhi. If you look in the middle of that of that Rashi, Rashi says something amazing. Va'yomar Rabbi Yochanan. It's actually like about uh, ten lines off from the bottom of Rashi. Va'yomar Rabbi Yochanan the Mei Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Yochanan said to the Jews of Eretz Yisrael, Savar Hayisi Shetorah Shalachem Shalo Shalo Gilisa Me'atzechem Velo Hayalachem Tiruf Hadas. I always felt that really Torah belonged to the Jews. The Jews of Eretz Yisrael had a much greater grasp on Torah. Why? Because you were never exiled. And therefore, again, there was never any trauma. And because there was no trauma, you had clarity. However, Interestingly enough, Rabbi Yochanan said, but I now see that actually, the clarity of Torah really resides with the Jews of Bavel, the Jews of Bavel. Now it's interesting, why is it that the clarity of Torah resided with the Jews of Bavel? Because when we underwent exile, even before the destruction of the first base HaMikdash, many of the Gedoli Hador were exiled as well. So because the Gedoli Hador, right, this is the story of Mordechai, because the Gedoli Hador were exiled, their Torah, Bavel became a bastion of Torah. And because Bavel became a bastion of Torah, ultimately again, that clarity remained. It's interesting, you see two incredible yisodos over here. Right? See, yisod number one is that why we all need a Rebbe, right? We all have to attach ourselves to someone who could provide us with clarity in Torah and provide us with clarity in life. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a simple Jew, you could be the greatest Talmud Chacham. Everyone needs someone to anchor them in the clarity of Torah. Not just in the clarity of Torah, just how to learn, but in the clarity of Torah because Torah is life. I need someone to anchor me in the clarity of life. And there's another piece, which is trauma doesn't have to ruin us. You see, we all undergo traumatic events in life. But it's interesting that not only do we have the ability, and sometimes we can find it within ourselves, sometimes we need help from other people, to find the tools to cope with trauma. But not only can you find the tools to cope with trauma, sometimes the, the, sometimes it's the trauma itself which brings out the excellence. Sometimes it's tr the traumatic experience in life that, that in the traumatic experiences in life that bring out the kochos, the strength that we never thought we would have. Isn't it amazing how Rabbi Yochanan says, the Jews of Bavel have greater clarity in Torah than the Jews of Eretz Yisrael. So yes, it's because, of course, their teachers came with them, but it's also because sometimes adversity forces us to dig deep down within ourselves. Adversity forces us to find kochos that we never knew we had. The Jews of Eretz Yisrael did not have that same level of adversity that the Jews of Babel did. The Jews of Babel were transplanted onto alien soil. Al Naros Babel, Shambachinu. When we went to Babel, we cried because we thought it was 
the end, but it wasn't the end. We realized that our Torah was with us, our Rebbeim were with us, and that if we dig deep within ourselves, we could find incredible kohos. It's an incredible thing because often we assume that when we encounter traumatic events in life, I'm done. I'm done. I'm sidelined. And it's not true. It's not true. If we dig deep within ourselves, not only can we manage trauma, but we can grow from trauma. We can become even greater as a result of trauma because the trauma forces us again to find those kohos that we would have never looked to find Otherwise, this is, of course, the secret of success of Am Yisrael. We are who we are not despite our trauma. We are who we are because of our trauma. And when it applies to the cloud, what applies to the collective, applies to the individual as well. So the Gemara says as follows. See, you see, Rabbi Yochanan. So remember, we wanted to say, we wanted to say that Rabbi Yochanan, right, because we, we have two contradictory things of Rabbi Yochanan. We have Rabbi Yochanan saying that Arava is a Yisod Nevi'in. It was instituted. It's an enactment of the prophets. Then Rabbi Yochanan saying that it's Halach Moshe Misinai. So the Gemara wanted to suggest that really it's Halach Moshe Misinai. And then what happens as a result of diaspora, as a result of the destruction of Islamic exile, we forgot about Arava and the Chachamim reinstituted it. To which the Gemara said, one second, Rabbi Yochanan is on record as saying, Saying that the Jews of Babel didn't forget Torah as a result of their trauma, that in fact they became stronger as a result of their trauma. To which the Umar Lokasha, Amud Beis, Kan Bemda 44b, Kan Bemikdash, Kan Bigvulin. To which the Gemara says, You're right. In fact, Rabbi Yochanan is not contradicting himself, he's referring to two different things. The mitzvah of Arava in the Beis Hamikdash is a halacha lamoshim Sinai. The mitzvah of Arava outside of the Beis Hamikdash. Is Yisod Nevi'im was a was a enactment by the prophets. That's how you reconcile it. So there was no forgetting. There was nothing. Rather, again, in the base Hamikdash, it's a halacha l'Moshe Misinai. That's Rabbi Yochanan meant when he says halacha Moshe Misinai. And when he said it's a Yisod Nevi'im, an enactment by the prophets, he was talking about outside of the base Hamikdash. I'm Rabbi Ami. Arava Tzricha Shir. So we'll say now speaking a little bit about the mitzvah of Arava. So Arava requires a shear. Now again, we've actually spoken about this before about the size of an arava, but remember, that was in the context of arava, of arava for lulav. Remember again, as part of Dalad Minim, now we're really focusing on the mitzvah of arava by itself. And you can only, for, for the mitzvah of arava, you have to take arava by itself. And you cannot fulfill your mitzvah of arava with the arava in the lulav. So the Gemara says, aren't those two last statements redundant? Once you tell me that halacha lamaisa, that halacha lamaisa, you can only be yotzei the mitzvah of arava, if you take an arava by itself, is it not automatically clear then that you can't be yotzei with the arava that is bind, bound together with the lulav? To which the Gemara says, what would you have thought? I might have thought like this. I might have thought, when can't you be Yodse, the mitzvah of Arava, the Arava and the Lulav? That's when you're picking everything up together. But let's say you pick it up, right? Let's say you pick up your Lulav the first time and you pick it up for the sake of Dalad Minim, to fulfill the mitzvah of Lulav, Asr, Nadas, and Arava. So then you put it down and you pick it up again. But this time when you pick it up again, you have explicit intent. The reason I'm only picking it up is because to fulfill the mitzvah of Arava. You might have thought that that would work. Kamash Malon, it does not. Kamash Malon, that even if you pick up the Dalad Minim, but this time for the express purpose of only being Yodzi, the mitzvah of Arava, that doesn't work. Arava must be taken on its own. 
Adam this happens to be a point of contention. You can actually fulfill the mitzvah of Arava, even with the Arava that is part of your Dalid Minim. Incredible. The Kamashira, what's the shear of Arava? Right? What, what kind of what kind of Arava? What's the shear of Arava for the mitzvah of Arava? Um, Rav Nachman Gimel Bade Olin Lochin. Rav Nachman said three moist branches. Okay? So you need three moist branches. So Rav Shesha says, even one branch. Now, here's what's interesting. The way this sounds is either even even one branch or means even one leaf. So the Gemara says, really? The Gemara says, Is that really possible? With just a stalk or with just one leaf? For the mitzvah of Arava, you could be Yotze even with an Arava that's what? has just one stalk with one leaf. So in other words, for the Mitzvah of Arava, all I need is one Arava, one Arava. And ultimately, again, even if that Arava has only one leaf on it, I can be out to the Mitzvah of Arava. Meaning, again, remember, this is different than the Halacha of Arava, of Aravos for Lulav. This is talking about, again, the Mitzvah, or for Dalit Minim, I'll say. This is the Mitzvah of Arava by itself. What the Gemara is positing right now is one branch with even only one leaf is going to be enough to be Yotzei the Mitzvah. So the Gemara says, Amar Aivu, Aivu says as follows, Hava Ka'ina Kamei so Ivo tells an incredible story, which we'll begin today in Emirat Hashem, continue into tomorrow's daf. And again, we'll talk about the halacha l'maisa with the mitzvah of Arava as well. So the Gemara says, Ivo says, I was once standing in front of Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik. Okay? So Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik, good. Va'aisi ha'hu gavra Arava kamei. And there was a man who came before Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik, and he brought with him an Arava. Va'aisi ha'hu gavra Arava kamei. Shokil chavit chavit below Barach. He took the Arava, Chavit Chavit, meaning he shook it around, and he did not make a bracha. He did not make a bracha on the Mitzvah Arava. Kasavar Minog Nevi'imhu. Ultimately, again, he held that ultimately, again, it was a Minog Nevi'im. Right? Remember, again, Rashi points out, Minog Nevi'imhi, Begvulin Velo Yisil Nevi'im, Hilchach Inetzricha Bracha. This story happened outside of the Beis HaMikdash. So the, and again, it happened in the presence of Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik. Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik didn't say anything. So obviously, again, and what happened? The Gemara, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. The, Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik is the one who's taking the Arava. A man brought Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik the Arava. A Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik shook the Arava, didn't make a bracha. Clearly indicating to us that what? Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik holds that the mitzvah of Arava outside of the Beis HaMikdash is a minhag neviim, as we saw before. Minhag neviim meaning it was a practice of the neviim, not a takana, not a yisod, not a halacha l'moshem Sinai, and therefore no bracha. So the Gemara goes weiter. Ivu Vichiskia Bene Bene Barse Dirav Aisu Aravala Kame Dirav. So what happened? The Yamar says, Ivu and Chiskia, like the sons of the daughter of Rav, brought an Arava to Rav, Chavit Chavit Velobarach. And same idea, Rav went ahead and took the Arava, he shook it around, didn't make a bracha, Kasavra Minag Once again, because he clearly held also that Arava outside of the base Hamikdash 
ultimately, again, was a minog nevi'im, minog nevi'im, and therefore no bracha. Again, we'll say, we'll, we'll talk about this, we'll talk about this in the halacha lamaisa component of the Meretz Hashem in tomorrow's daf. Again, we also do a, 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 a zechah to the Arabah, we normally do this on Hoshan Arabah, we'll discuss. But again, clearly what you begin to see is, it seems to be conventional wisdom says, that, or the majority opinion says, that the mitzvah of Arava in the Beis HaMikdash was a halacha lamosha misinai, and the mitzvah of Arava outside of the Beis HaMikdash was a minhag nevi'im. Was a minhag nevi'im. And therefore, again, halacha lamaisa, there was no bracha made on Arava, at least by these individuals. Again, we'll see the halacha lamaisa. Amar Aivo. So Ivo says, one time I was standing before Rabbi Lazar So a particular man came before Rabbi Lazar and he had a kasha. Now this is incredible. Another Shemitah kasha, which is really beautiful. So this man says to Rabbi Isli, Karma Isli, I own a couple of villages. And in those villages are a couple of vineyards. Now the truth is, we're going to see it's not really vineyards, it's olive groves. Olive groves. So what happens? So the Gemara says, and this man says, Karmaya Isli, Zaysa Isli, and in these Kramim, in these in these groves, I go and I grow olives. Va'asu b'nei kiryasa, and so there are people who work for me, and now people who work for me, and what happens? The Gemara says, bezese. They come, they work the fields, they work the fields, and they take the olives as the wages for their labor. Arich or Is this an appropriate practice or not? So if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, mm-hmm. So the workers come. So this guy comes, again, the guy comes before Abu Lazar Bar Tzadik and he says, listen, I own villages and I own fields and I own olive fields, right? And what happens? People from the villages come to work in my fields. Now this was happening on Shemitah. They're, now we'll discuss how they work in the fields on Shemitah. They come to work in my fields on Shemitah and I don't pay them wages. Instead, they just go ahead and take the olives as their wages. Is this permitted or not? Look at Rashi, one more time. So obviously, if they're taking the olives as their wages, that means the olives are not hefker to the poor as what's supposed to happen on Shemitah. So is this okay or not? Now, if you look at Rashi, Is it okay to do this or not? Or not? So the Gemara says, so Olo, Olo Arich, Amrale, Sarvalazar Bar Tzadik responds, Lo Arich, it's not appropriate. Not appropriate. So the Gemara says, now Rash is why is it inappropriate? Amrale, Lo Arich, Lefi Sha'ata Pore Pu'ulasa Mi Pero Shviyas, Vatora Amrali Achla Balolus Chora. See, interestingly enough, Rabbalazar says it's not appropriate. Why? Because essentially, the halacha is that the produce of the Shemitah year has to be, cannot be used for commercial purposes. Essentially, you're using the produce to pay the wages of your workers, which is a commercial use of peros shvius, which is going to be aser, which is going to be aser. So the Gemara says, Amrle lo arich. He says, no, ultimately, again, it's not appropriate. So listen to this. So the man left, the man left, and he came back a little while later. Va'azil Amar, so the Gemara, I'm sorry, well, we'll see actually. As the man was leaving, as the man, he, we're going to see, he comes back in just a moment. As the man was leaving, right, Amar, Kadu Habizdari Ba'ara Hadam Menshinin. So Rabbi Lazar Bartavik says, you know, I've been living in this place for 40 years. 
I've been living in this particular town for 40 years. And I've never seen a man who walked in such a proper path like this individual. Look at Rashi for just a moment. Forty years I've lived in this place, Rabbi Lozar says, reading Rashi, right across in Rashi. I've never seen a person who is so yasher. I've never seen a person who has walked in such a yasher way. So the story is not finished. The Gemara says, Hadar va'asi Interestingly enough, the farmer originally came to Rabbi Tzadik and asked him a specific shayla. Can I go? Is this practice okay? That the farmers are coming, they're working the olive field, they're taking the olives as their wage. Rabbi Lazar Tzadik says, no, it's not okay. The guy leaves. He then, right, Rabbi Lazar Tzadik praises him. The guy then comes back. So what should I do? <laughs> it's interesting that he asked the shayla, he got the answer, he left, and then after he left, he realized, okay, so I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So he came back and he asked Rabbi Lazar Tzadik again, what should I do? Go ahead and make the olives hefker for the poor. And pay a wage to the people who are to, to, to the people who work in the fields. In other words, pay your pay your pay your workers. You have to pay your workers. But the olives themselves ultimately again should become hefker. I will say, you know, it's interesting to note that Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik praised this individual. Right, it, it, it's it, and it's such a dramatic place. For forty years, I've lived in this place, and I've never seen a man the mahalich ba'archa de tikun kadein. I never saw a man. Now, even the lashon is interesting. The mahalich ba'archa de tiknon who walks an organized or a set or an established path. Rashi says over here, shemahalich b'derach yasher walks on a straight path like this man. It's interesting because what's so great about this farmer? In other words, it's great. He, he, he asked the Shaila, fantastic. What is it that Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik understood that was so great about this man? And perhaps what's happening over here is something so simple yet profound, which is what did this simple farmer want to know? Mutter Asr, can I do this or can't I do this? Is this the Ratzon Hashem? Is it not the Ratzon Hashem? Is it the will of God? Is it not the will of God? Is it appropriate or inappropriate? You know, sometimes in life, you know, we make things so complicated and we make so many different cheshbonos because I kind of, you know, Hashem Shnafal Hirsch says, why did the Jews build the golden calf? Because it makes no sense. The whole episode makes no sense. After everything they saw, they built the golden calf. Hashem Shnafal Hirsch says, because they wanted immorality. That's really what they wanted. They wanted to be able to engage in immoral practices, but they didn't want to be on the wrong side of the law. So what did they do? They created a new system which would justify their behaviors. Rav Hirsch says, herein lies the difference between Avodah Zarah and belief in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When I, when I believe in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, my job is to make myself in God's image. Avodah Zarah is I make God in my image. I decide what I want, here's what I want to do, and I create a system, and I create a deity, and I create a theology around what I want to do. Avodah Hashem means I, I mold myself into the Ribono Shalom's image. Avodah Zorah is I mold theology into my image. And whether we realize it or not, we do this so many times in life, right? There's something I want to do. I, I, I do this every, something I want to do, right? And so I know that there's a part of me that knows eh, probably not the right thing to do. I don't mean even something, God forbid, illicit or terrible or immoral or unethical, but something that's just not really all that good. 
And we do something amazing, which is we create cheshbonus. But there's this, and there's that, and there's this circumstance, and that circumstance, and I, I once heard this, or I once heard that opinion, or I once heard this, and I construct an entire theology in order to go ahead and justify what it is that I want to do, even though I know deep down it's not the right thing. And we know that's not the right way to live. The right way to live is that when faced with a decision, is it mutter or is it aser? Is it mutter or is it aser? And sometimes you'll say, I not everything falls into mutter aser. Is it the Ratzon Hashem? Is it not the Ratzon Hashem? Is this something that the Ribbono Shalom would want me to do? Or is it something that perhaps Hashbar who doesn't want me to do? That's the fundamental shadow. So this man comes before Reb Tzadik. Rabbi Lazar Bar, excuse me, Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzadik, and he says, Rebbe, Rebbe, can I do this or can't I do this? That's it. Now understand, this is a business question, right? This is going to be money out of his pocket because now they're taking their, wa- their wages from the olives. Now he knows if it's not allowed, he's going to have to pay them additional wages. Plus he's going to lose the olives because the olives become hefker to the poor. And yet, what did this man do? Rebbe, just tell me. Is it mutter or is it aser? Should I do it or shouldn't I do it? And Rabbi Lazar Bar Tzodek was amazed by the simplicity of just this regular, ordinary Jew. And as Rabbi Lazar says, I've been living here for 40 years and I haven't seen a person See, Rashi understands the mahalich ba'archan tiknun means who walks in a yashar, in a straight path. But the tiknun, tikun, means organized. Right it means masudar. There's an organization. There, there, there is a process. That here's a guy who just wants to know: Is this the ratzon habore or not? Is this the will of Hakadosh Baruch Hu or isn't it? If it's the will of Hashem, I'm gonna do it. And if it's not the will of Hashem, I'm not gonna do it. There's no cheshbonos, right? There's no calculations. There's no ba da 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 da. This this this. If it's not the Ratzon Hashem, if it's not the will of the Ribbon Shalom, I don't want to do it. I'm just not going to do it. And Rabbi Lazar Bar because I guess Rabbi Lazar Bar probably most of the Shailas that he got usually began with a Shaila and then began with a lot of back and forth conversation. And here was a guy who was just telling him, Rebbe, just tell me, Mutter or Aser? If it's Mutter, fantastic. And if it's Aser, fantastic, I'm just going to stop. And Rabbi Lazar Bar was so amazed by the simplistic theology of this Jew, by the simplistic avodas Hashem. I just want to know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants me to do. And if he wants me to do it, I'm going to continue on it. And if he doesn't want me to do it, I'm going to stop. Rabbi Lazar Bar blown away by the simplicity of this Jew. But of course, it's this simplicity which we should all be zochet to emanate. So we'll stop over here for today. I know I'm ending mid-story, but Emir Hashem will pick up with the rest of the story, including how are they even working the field to begin with on Shemitah. Emir Hashem tomorrow. Wishing everyone a wonderful day. Shkodach.